many seats do you have on the plane, bitch? Adam Curry, John C. Dvorak. It's October 15, 2009. Time for your Gitmo Nation media assassination episode 139. This is no agenda. Awakening the masses so they don't become extras in Zombieland 2. And coming to you from the minimum security containment cell in Gitmo Nation West, San Francisco, California. I'm Adam Curry. And from northern Silicon Valley, where it's not supposed to be raining, but indeed it is, I'm John C. Dvorak. It's Craig Vaughn in the morning. It was a horrible storm, and I didn't witness one bit of it. Well, you know, it wasn't that bad around here. That's the joke of it. Oh, San Francisco, in, in the city itself, people said it was it was almost spooky. They're, they're wimps. <laughs> Yeah, of course they're wimps. There was like less than an inch of rain in San Francisco. There was 14 inches in the Santa Cruz Mountains. Yeah, it's funny because where all the action was. No, but there's a, a lot happened, John. We had uh, snow in um, I think Utah, Mon- Minnesota. There was there's snow on the mountains of Hawaii. Is that normal? Well, it's global warming. What can I say? <laughs> exactly, it's exactly what it is. And Chicago, where I was for. Um, uh, for a couple days, oh man, it got so cold. Of course, Chicago is known for getting cold. Not but, this time of year. But oh, I mean, it was. Um, uh, we only looked at sen- at Celsius temperatures, but it was uh, below freezing, so that would be below thirty two degrees Fahrenheit uh, overnight. And uh, and of course, you get that wind off of Lake Michigan. It's like ah, okay, the wind should be going the other way. So uh, uh, wait, so what, wait, what, wait, wait! I got news. I got, big, I got big news. All right. Very- oh, by the way, before you start, uh, I want to mention that our producer, executive producer today is Timothy Tillman. Hey, Timothy. From Midlothian, Virginia. Timothy Tillman, executive producer of the No Agenda podcast Episode, yeah. for this week. Episode 139. Timothy is the executive producer. You put it on your uh, resume. Yes. And, and it will help you get, get jobs. And we'll vouch. <laughs> Absolutely. We'll sign anything you send us. Happily. Now, so we came back, John, and guess what? We have twins. Oh, really? Yeah, they hatched. The pigeons hatched. Okay, now let's go. Did you take pictures? Yeah, there's, um, uh, there, w- there will be a picture in today's show notes. There's a picture on Mickey's Facebook you page. You have a picture of the baby pigeons because this was the, 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 the debate. This one guy came over to your place and said, ah, there's people have noticed, and this is legendary, that no one's ever seen a baby pigeon. Yeah, well, so for people who haven't followed along for the past uh, four or five months, these two pigeons keep coming back, uh, roosting in this windowsill ledge, which is right off the deck of the back of the uh, the containment cell here. And every single time it's gone wrong, either we've had crows take the eggs or they've fallen down to the ground or a combination thereof. And I think it was... I think you've even killed one of the eggs. If no, I didn't kill the egg, but there was a crow had the egg in his mouth and I went, shoo, and then he dropped the egg on the ground. So technically it was a lose-lose situation anyway. But um, I did hear, and, and, and I think this is what, what is different from this time, that the city of San Francisco uh, spreads out pigeon feed that includes some chemical that makes them sterile. Because, of course, they don't really want a whole bunch of pigeons flying around the city, which I can, you know, there's already enough of them. So I can kind of understand that, but it's also like, eh. So what I did is every single morning, um, uh, whenever there were, uh, for the, with this last batch of two eggs, I would take some either muesli or granola and I'd throw it out on the ledge and uh, and these... 
So wait, wait, you're now admitting to being one of those horrible people who feeds <laughs> yes. pigeons. Yeah. It, no, but John, it was for science. Uh, okay. Yeah. Um, and by the way, they really like the raisin muesli, apparently. That's uh, much better for them. And uh, and I really got into a good relationship with Ginger, because it's Fred and Ginger, of course. <laughs> they like the muesli better. Did you check to make sure it didn't have any high fructose corn syrup? No, no, no. It's it's uh, completely organic. Yeah, sure. Yeah. and uh, But I had such a good relationship with her, I could actually throw the stuff onto the ledge while she was sitting there and on her head, and she wouldn't care, right? So we come back yesterday from Chicago, and I look out, and the the, the broken... Eggshells are still, one of them is actually still attached to one of these two chicks. I guess they're chicks, right? Pigeon chicks. And, um, I guess. Or pigeons. Pidgelings. <laughs> Pidgelings. Pidgets. <laughs> and, um, and she literally shows them off to us. She's like, here. And she leans back and like, here, look at what I got here. And then she covers them up again. And uh, this morning I gave her some, uh, some more. Uh, actually, You'd be it was joining PETA. Yeah, Christina wouldn't let. Christina's like, "Hey, man, don't give them the muesli. That's good shit, man. I want to eat the muesli." So I, <laughs> so, I gave, so I gave them some uh, some other stuff. I, I don't gave know. Some rice krispies. Yeah, <laughs> rice krispie treats for everyone. And uh, and she got off the nest to go and eat it, and went back, and we got some fantastic pictures. Uh, the, you know, I have to say they're cute. And within, okay, well, at least we, now we know we can put this on Wikipedia. Yeah, I, this I, takes care of the legend that no one's ever seen a baby pigeon. Well, we have two, and uh, we will be documenting uh, documenting their growth yeah, until a red-tailed hawk comes around and just well, eats them live. Well, we have we have a, a roster um, who's going to be watching out. Anyway, um, a couple things from my travels before we really get into the meat of the show. Uh, first of all. Traveling in America is not fun anymore. It hasn't been fun for you know almost a decade. It's really, really diminished. I mean, all the way from you get to the airport, and we flew uh, United, and uh, we flew coach, which was still Chicago, San Francisco, Chicago coach round trip. Each ticket was six hundred dollars. And that's what the frick is that? Just uh, it's high. It's yeah, it's yeah, very high, and uh, it's just you know every every you know United has this priority check in which you can add another forty nine dollars per ticket and then you can get into a faster line. It's like what the hell is that? It, which by the way didn't go any faster than the regular line. You can upgrade. There you have it. You used to be able to select a seat that was near an exit. Those, are, of course, now are for sale. And when you walk into the plane, it's all freaking midgets who are sitting there, uh, who are, you know book their tickets a year in advance and lock up all the premium seats because that's now a premium seat. Is that you know, an exit row? Used to be like, well, you have to adhere to all these. You know, can you speak English and are you able to open up the window? Now it's like, hey, you got fifty bucks, you can have an exit seat. That's about right. And then uh, this, this extra you pay extra for your baggage, which I don't know. I guess I kind of I I didn't realize that's what was going on. You buy your ticket, and then if you when you check in, if you actually have a bag with you, then you have to pay twenty dollars a bag. You know, it's, it seems to me as though the, the, this is all leading to one uh, I mean, one obviousity, which is they to to fly you around by the pound. Oh, you know what. I'd be okay with that 
Well, you probably weigh enough to. You probably would be the median. In other words, yeah. typical, you'd probably pay right around the 600 mark. And then they get these, you know, people that are extremely large that would have to pay even more. And then there's this, you know, the skinny little people could probably get in on a discount. Well, here's the thing that really bothers me. Because it does make a difference to them. I mean, it's, it's part of the cost of the flight. Of course, it, it, every pound is, uh, is noted on the spreadsheet. It's extremely important. But the thing that this does, this, this paying for $20 for baggage, which, and I'm okay, again, I'm okay with it if it's really by weight. You know, there's a lot of reasons to say, okay, because it does cost a heavier person. Um, it costs more to transport them. In aviation, it's all done by weight and balance. But of course, what this does is it uh, forces people to bring on these, these overseas shipping containers on wheels. And it's just a nightmare what goes on with people trying to jam this shit into overhead uh, bins. And then, of course, you know, it's completely filled to the, to the nook and cranny and people, you know, cl- finally get them closed. And then some other dickhead comes along and is like, oh, I think I will open this one. And then, you know, it falls on people's heads. And it's like, it's just, it's a nightmare. It's so stupid. And, and I don't, why do they allow people to bring on these huge suitcases? You're not supposed to bring on a suitcase that big. I mean, I carry a hard case, which is designed specifically, and I do it for the specific reason that I know it'll fit in those bins. But these people, they buy these things, they, they, they will fit in the bin if they're empty, but then they stuff them full yeah. of so much stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so the just- thing is bulging. And then they slam it up, or the, or some people do the same thing with a garment bag, even though yeah. not too many people travel with those anymore, but some people do. And then they can't, they can't get the thing in, and they're pushing and pushing and pushing, and then the woman comes along. The, and she helps the, push. She's pushing, and they're pushing, and then she's, they got tricks to kind of cock the thing so it kind of opens a little wider, and they finally get it in there. And then when the, when the plane exits, you have to wait for this guy to try to sh- get Take this thing shit. out. Out. But you know, it's like you're supposed. They even say, "Please put your lighter items in the overhead bin." Which you know, they're not luggage storage. They're for like your coat, your laptop bag, you know, some small things. And I have a nice coat, and I put my, I fold my coat, I put it up there. I've got my my laptop bag, I put it up there, and I'm done, you know. And then some douchebag comes along, boom, 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 boom. It's like, dude, you know, that's like my coat in there. That's like my shit, and you're just like <laughs> ramming it like a yeah. jackhammer. Tough toenails, kid. You know, and, and all the while, and, and so the air conditioning unit was on like sub-zero temperatures above three rows because, of course, we were on a triple seven, which means you get – why do they make five seats next to each other? Five seats. It's the most inconvenient thing in the world. If you have an aisle seat, you're going to be standing up throughout the entire flight to let at least two other people go to the restroom. And so, you know, we kept saying, could you please, you know, control the air conditioning? Because we're really freezing. You know, like, here, feel my legs. They're made, they're blocks of ice. <laughs> and these people, are, the, air, the flight attendants on United, who are just dickheads and ugly, they just, all they're, all they're <laughs> concerned about. ugly, too. <laughs> yeah. All they're concerned about is, turn off your cell phone. Turn off your electronic devices. Turn off your cell phone. Turn off So, could you please. Whoever controls the air conditioning, could you please change it just a little bit? Turn it up a little bit. Turn off your telephone. That's all they talk about. And then, oh, we have we have a breakfast, which, by the way, the food you buy is a box of chemicals. And by the time they get to row 43, I'm sorry, we're out of breakfast. How many seats do you have on the plane, bitch? Use that as a starter. 
Yeah. <laughs> I, let, me, let me mark it. That's a good one. And uh, and I had some fun at the TSA as well. I I, I just couldn't oh, help myself. Go. Oh yeah. I mean, you know. So it, it, the thing that bugs me is there's no consistency. So th- there was a new. There were two new things in Chicago on our way back. The new yeah, one by was. By the way, just to interrupt you for a second, I do want to mention that there is no consistency. If you look at the TSA website, because I fly with my daughter every so often, she's under eighteen. Mm-hmm. It, if you read the TSA website, children flying with their parents don't need any ID whatsoever. Right. Try to try, try to, to do pull that, that out. Yeah, it try. says it in the TSA. It says it on the website. It says the TSA, the TSA policy. Try to get your daughter on an airplane with no ID and see what happens. Oh, well, so the consistency, well, first let me start. At every airport, before you get to TSA, they have the local airport rent-a-cop, which is one step above janitor. And nothing against janitors, but, you know, you get a uniform with a sewn-on, like, security patch. And their only job is to check and see you have a boarding card, right? They have no legal right to look at your identification, their only job is to make sure you don't get into line without a boarding card. I'm okay with that. But the arrogance and the way they look at you and the way they speak to you, and then, you know, so I, uh, on the way over, the woman like, boarding card! I'm like, and, and what happens with me is I just can't help. I, I'm, I remain friendly, but I got it loud, you know. I'm like, good morning, how are you? And then, and then that always kind of freaks him out. And then she's like grabbing my <laughs> grabbing my boarding card. Okay, that's good. Thank you. You know, I just I just can't help it. I just have to. And I figure if anyone says what the fuck is wrong with you, I'll say, oh, sorry, I'm hard of hearing or something. You know, I can just I can pull <laughs> it off. <laughs> what? <laughs> but you know, it's like that. That's that's. It's so unfriendly. It's so unfriendly. My favorite thing is recently they've taken it when you go into the line. There's the beginning. They, they have the boarding card and ID guy. And so they, in different airports, again, it's inconsistent, but Seattle always had, they have, for one thing, they got a little ultraviolet light. Yeah, they, they, they shine they, it on your, on your, on they your shine paperwork. shine on your card like, okay, whatever. Yeah. And so they're shining the light on the card. And then the, the guys in Seattle typically hold the card up into the air yeah, next yeah, to your, yeah, so it's yeah, like matches yeah. next to your face. And, and they move it up forward and back as though they're like Monet and, or and something. And they're looking at you. And they're looking at you like they have they're some facial recognition. They're looking at the picture and they're going back and forth and back and forth like, you know. No. <laughs> so, here's, so here's the inconsistency. So in Chicago, and of course, these instructions are yelled at you. <sighs> so usually it's take your laptop out of the bag. And, 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 and I have a, um, one of those uh, crumple bags. So it's just the laptop and it has its own little encasement, nothing else. So it's, you know, it's, and I just carry that in my, uh, under my arm because I don't want to be taking shit out of a bag and just make it easy for me, whatever. Um, so you're normally like, take all laptops, all electronics, put them out, put them in the bed. And, uh, <laughs> and then you have to, uh, and then you have to put your shoes, you have to take your shoes off. But the new one here was, do not put your shoes in the bin. Shoes have to be on the belt by themselves. I'm like, wow. what? Yeah, exactly. And I'm like, wow. Okay. So I, I just let that go. So I'm like, okay, I'll put my Uggs. Cause of course I travel with the easiest shoes to take off. I'll put them on the belt. I have a scarf, like a, you know, just a, a gray scarf and everything's off. I'm, I'm, you know, my pants are falling down. I've got nothing, <laughs> nothing on except this scarf. And the guy says, take off your scarf, sir. And I, and, I, and that's what I'm like, uh, but doesn't the x-ray machine show that there's nothing in the scarf? No, we have to see you have nothing underneath. Okay. So I'm like, all right. I begrudgingly do that. 
And then as my stuff comes out on the other on the other side, and there's one bin with my laptop on top of the the rubber casing, you know, just a little protection or protection bag. The guy says, "You know, you don't have to take that out of the bag." I'm like, "Oh, really, Agent White? Well, please come to every other airport I've been through where I've been balled out for not taking it out." That's not true. I'm like, okay. <laughs> you know, that's not true. And then, and then they're like, he would know. Please They've take been your following you. and please take your bins off of the belt. We need to move along, move along. Like, where am I going to redress, sir? There's like one bench where two people can sit on, and there's 30 people in the queue. It's just so. Anyway, what I'm building up to is my entire frustration of being treated like a, a an idiotic slave. And when you really sit and drink a coffee at the airport and watch people, they have become zombies. And all the while, the soundtrack is, current threat level is orange. Please be very vigilant. Do not let go of your luggage. Please maintain your, it's maintain your luggage at all times. It's like that, that shit has influence on your psyche, you know? It really does. And people are walking around like zombies, John. And no one's friendly. No one says thank you or please or whatever. And it's just... Yeah, well, you wonder why Chicago lost a bid for the Olympics. Yeah, well, it's, and, it's, and it's, not, it's not just Chicago. It's the airport experience in general. And America used to be ridiculed in a funny sort of way by the Europeans when I was growing up in Gitmo Nation East. Oh, America's so fake with your have a nice day and how are you doing? And I'd always defend that and say, you know, that's not true. People, Americans generally just mean that. Don't read anything into it. They actually mean how you doing or have a nice day. And it's a part of service and services service with a smile. But now even the people who say this are like, hi, how you doing? Have a nice day. Thank you very much. Have a nice day. It, they've become zombified. Completely zombified, and I'm. Well, that's why these movies are out. Exactly, exactly, and 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 uh, and even in my intro, I said it. You know, I saw Zombieland, which is a fantastic movie if you like gratuitous killing of zombies. <laughs> and who doesn't? And let, let's face it. But I think there was a very deep psychological metaphor in there that the uh, the filmmakers were trying to portray, and they're right. We have just become a nation of zombies, at least in these in these open spaces. Uh, where people come together and there's just no human interaction whatsoever. It, it, it's it saddens me. It really saddens me. And yeah, the government has done what it has to do to dehumanize the entire population in the United States. For and it's worked. It's freaking worked. Mm. Well, it, you know, it doesn't take that much. So anyway, while I was in uh, Chicago, I had a quick walk around. I uh, wanted to show Mickey... Uh, you know, some, you know, like the loop and stuff. And I bumped into something rather interesting, and I did a little bit of research on it, although I don't know if it really means that much, if we can read too much into it, but it was just kind of fun to see. I saw a plaque on, uh, on one of the bridges, and I forget which one offhand, but it's not that relevant, um, which was a plaque from uh, 1687 or something and talked about Norwegian sailors coming over to Chicago. And so I started Googling a little bit about, you know, I, I basically did uh, Google searches on the, the Norway-Chicago connection, uh, of course, thinking that, hey, maybe maybe there's a deeper meaning behind the Norwegians, not the Swedes, it was the Norwegian uh, five Norwegian politicians who essentially choose the Nobel Peace Prize. There was a huge Norwegian community in Chicago. And uh, did you know that 
55 of the big bridges in Chicago were built by Norwegians. Okay. And there's, there's a, a lot of Norwegians in that whole area, Minnesota, Chicago, Wisconsin. Right, right. But I just thought, you know, and there's there's still to this day shipping contracts and there's all kinds of stuff going back and forth between Norway and Chicago. And I just thought it was interesting that there may be a little more connection there between Chicago specifically and Norway. And I wonder you never know with Chicago. So there's a there's a couple of uh, links that I'll put into the show notes at noagendashow.com where you can read about uh, the Norwegian community, um, all the work they did on uh, on the bridges, which, face it, is a big part of the Chicago infrastructure. Uh, and 55 bridges is, you know, that's, that's not just a little. And there's a lot of... Um, I guess it's Lutheran churches in Chicago that uh, that the Norwegians uh, built. I don't know. I I just thought it was uh, interesting that there may be a little deeper connection yeah. there. Well, let's get back to this dehumanizing theme. I think this is this is a good one for okay. us. Okay, sure. Well, let's. Uh, which brings me to one of my clips. Hmm. Excellent. And first, I want to mention this clip. I I promise I I never dug up, and I've got to dig it up because it's still valid and it'll it'll still be good to listen to. Which is Shepard Smith berating uh, on Fox. Wait a minute. Berating a nurse okay. who wasn't going to take the swine flu shot, and he essentially berated her for pretending that she knows more than the CDC knows because the CDC knows more than she does. She doesn't know anything. And the fact that she would come on the show and go, and it was just was unbelievable to listen to this thing because it was just like, uh, did you send, did you send me, the, did you send me this clip, John? The clip that you, you have two clips, right? Yeah. It's the one that's not the PPOD. Uh, O'Reilly Dick. Um, Anyway, so 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 Smith goes on and on and, and so I've thought thought well that was just an anomaly. Shepard Smith's a dick, you know. There's all these different possibilities, uh, or you know she went off script or who knows what. And I think that I didn't think it was going to be thematic. Then O'Reilly comes on to show this was this last week uh-huh. and be, and now I, it's not that this woman doesn't need berating, but the idea that you bring somebody on who has you know that you all you're going to do is berate her <laughs> because she is not the government and the government knows best Everything. i didn't know that fox had gotten into this mode of the government knows best which is is which is somewhat sick uh because the government doesn't know best but the government knows best or the generals know best and you know i mean you know anyone who's been through the vietnam war the scene knows that that was bogus but no that's okay so i want you to play this is a little long you're going to have to interrupt it a couple of times but this is o'reilly attacking a code pink woman mm. one of the co-founders or something and she was actually quite pleasant for a code pink woman she had she just wanted to she just came on to say what she wanted to say and he just not only ridiculed her but then laughed at her and i thought found it abhorrent Americans who want out of Afghanistan, even though there's no question the terrorists would move in. Joining us now from Washington, Medea Benjamin, leader of Code Pink, committed anti-war group. And uh, Ms. Benjamin is just back from Afghanistan. So just, just define for everybody your exact position on the war over there. 
We don't think sending 40,000 more troops is the answer. We think there is no military solution. And in fact, we think the presence of U.S. troops is the best recruiting tool that the Taliban has. We were told about 30% of people who joined the Taliban joined because they've been harmed by foreign forces. And the other 70% joined because they're poor. So I think we'd be a lot better off saving the lives of our soldiers and the money of our tax dollars if we provided financial incentives for people not to join the Taliban and we have an exit strategy uh, and let the uh, Afghan military and the Afghan police be trained by the UN uh, and promote peace talks. Before we even let uh, O'Reilly go further, it baffles me how the talk has shifted to the Taliban, how we were supposed to be there for one reason and one reason only, which was to catch Osama bin Laden. Okay, you can tack on your phantom al-Qaeda if you want, but the entire conversation has shifted to the Taliban, and no one's even questioning that. Now, this is like the shift from uh, health care reform to health care sh- insurance reform. Yeah, yeah. You just slip in. You, you just you do slipstream the argument. So you were talking about one thing one minute. The next thing you know, we got to stop the Taliban. All and right. by the way, there's now, references. Let me just run So Medea Benjamin feels that she, you, know more about winning a war than General McChrystal. Well, yeah, he doesn't seem to be winning it, does he? (laughs) Jeez. I don't know, Medea, if that's going to fly. See, McChrystal thinks he can win, and he's the expert general, and you're a civilian, but you say you know more than him. Well, I'm absolutely certain that more troops is not the answer. If okay, but he's certain, he's certain that more troops is the answer. So I'm saying, why should I take you, with all due respect, your expertise over the Christmas expertise? <laughs> you mean, fool. You, you're a slave. You need to shut up, woman. Shut up and sit down. What do you know? That's exactly right. Yeah. It's, you know, so... Just in response to this, first of all, I don't know what wars McChrystal has won. You know, I, I wouldn't mind seeing his track record. Okay, maybe he was a SEAL or something like that. And just to preface this, I really have deep respect for servicemen and women. My whole family is government servicemen and women. And um, there is a constitutional um, uh, obligation. And, and when people sign up for that, you know, that's, that's huge. So it's not about that. But geez, Louise, when when will we understand that this is the biggest scam in the world? And I hate to say it, but it is a complete fractal of Iraq, complete fra- from Afghanistan to Iran. It's all about access to the region. It's all about oil. It's what it's all about all over again. It has nothing to do with Taliban other than... You know, uh, getting the Taliban out of the way, who, uh, of course, depleted the poppy fields down to almost zero production. The coalition forces come in, and now we're up at 120, 125%, so we can ship drugs over to the West and uh, continue to fuel Wall Street. Okay, well, McChrystal is a uh, West Point grad, commissioned as second lieutenant around 76. Uh, then he was... Uh, he did, let's see. He was special forces. He's special forces, okay. Yeah, special ops or whatever. Okay, so but that doesn't mean you know how to win a war. That means you know how to kill people. He went to South Korea. Ooh, ooh, the stream 75th just dropped. 75th Rangers. It's a high-end uh, fighter, that's for sure. Yeah, a fighter, but it doesn't necessarily mean he's a, a strategic war winner. And by the way, what constitutes winning in Afghanistan? 
What what when we win? What does that mean? Yeah, well, I know it's the same thing with Iraq. Well, who's who? Who are we beating? I mean, does somebody come over and do we sign up some papers uh, on a train, uh, on a ship? I mean, there's who no, knows nobody that, that that can surrender. I mean, it's ridiculous. And it looks like the um, it looks like the, the Obama is going to do another surge type deal. Yeah, well, that's what the, this debate's all about. Uh, oh, really? I'm still looking over this McChrystal stuff. I'm not seeing that... Uh, that he was a big war-winning general? He was criticized for his role in the aftermath of the 2004 death. This is the one where that where the Pat Tillman was killed. Uh, he uh, lied about it, apparently. He said that Tillman was killed in a line of devastating enemy fire, which was not oh, right. turned out he, not he, to be the case. It yeah, was friendly was fire. Friendly so we got to. So now we have a guy that's not even. You can't even trust him right there. Boom. So so why does anything he say? Why is does it, anything why is it he say have any validity? All right. U.S. Uh, BBC reports U.S. dismisses Afghan surge report. The White House does, has denied reports that U.S. President Barack Obama may soon announce a substantial increase in U.S. troops to Afghanistan. You want to hear Robert Gibbs, that douchebag? Want to hear what he has to say oh, about I it? Oh, I love Robert Gibbs. He's yeah. my favorite. He's funny to listen to. <laughs> it's a well, short clip. He's so snidey, no, actually. No, no, no. That report, yeah, again, I, 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 uh, uh, I wouldn't... The, the president has not made a decision, and <laughs> when he does, I, I think you can assume that uh, uh, the BBC will not be the first outlet uh, for such a decision, I, I would not put any uh, throw weight behind the fact that a decision has been made when uh, the president has yet to make a decision. Does the president actually make that decision? Doesn't Congress make the decision? Well, it's a war decision, so it's supposed to be Congress, but I think that the Congress doesn't care. And yeah. besides that, they should go along with anything he says. Yeah, Gordon Brown uh, pledged 500 more uh, forces for Afghanistan. That's, that's How many? 500. Huh. Yeah. And he said it's all, uh, you know, it's all very important. This is uh, right in line with uh, the strategy. So apparently the U.K. strategy is different from the U.S. strategy. Or it's just a, a setup, you know, to say the strategy is right and the strategy calls for more troops. And then Obama can say, well, our partners are doing it. We have to do it as well. And, uh, yeah, there's some some. So I'm I'm I'm, I'm going to get off this wiki page. I'm sorry, but I was looking at uh, somebody's going to have to. I don't know why it's not in the wiki, but supposedly Stanley A. McChrystal won a uh, bronze star, and there's no mention of what for. Well, it it was to fill up an empty spot on his uh, uniform. Mm. <laughs> there's an interesting report in the Times, uh, the UK Times, that. Um, you know the you know uh, the French. There were ten French troops who were killed. Um, I think a couple of weeks ago, when they walked into the, uh, the well, they took over from the Italians in the Sarobi area east of Kabul. And uh, this was supposed to be a very very calm, very serene area. And the and the French come in. It was their turn to take over that particular uh, region. And boom, you know, ten guys get killed. And uh, this report now states that. Uh, the Italian Secret Service was paying thousands and thousands of dollars to the Taliban commanders and local warlords to keep the area calm. But they neglected to tell the French this. So the French went in, didn't know where to drop the black bag or, or where to place the envelope. And the warlords are like, hey, I'm going to take you out. 
because the Italians, the, the Italians are just paying them off and drinking wine all day. <laughs> cool. I mean, it's a fantastic article. Uh, it'll be in the show notes. But it's yeah, just, I definitely have to read that one. It's like whoa. I mean, and and there's a lot, and there's been a lot of reports about buying off of warlords, and you know, but there's just no one really aggregating it all up into one real uh, concise story. And uh, now the whole thing is a fiasco. It really is. It really, really is. And, and but not just. It's it's so disappointing, and and uh, in a way, it's upsetting. Like, don't we see what's going on? Don't we? Why can't? Why can't we see that? You know, probably because all we hear is current threat level is orange. I was talking about this with Mickey last night, you know, and because she also was starting to get really irritated about you know the TSA stuff, and she's totally slipping over to the dark side, John, which is kind of cool. Uh, <laughs> and uh, and she says, but you know, well, of course we don't want terrorists. And I said, well, let me ask you this: in Madrid. Where were people killed by terrorists? And she said, on the train. I said, in London, where were people ki- killed by terrorists? She said, uh, on the subway and in buses. So, well, how come, you know, how come the terrorists who are apparently out to kill Americans only target airplanes? We got plenty of trains. We got buses. How come there's no security there? Because it's bullshit. Well, for a group of uh, that's out to kill Americans, it seems that they're, they're, the number of attacks that they've made on our shores is pretty low. I mean, although we do catch, you know, these 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 idiots like that guy in Dallas, of course, that was going to blow up a building. But the guy was obviously a subpar moron who, you know, somebody targeted. I mean, and I, I think you could probably do this with a lot of these guys. You find somebody with a really low IQ. And this is part of, of course, the you got to get the Patriot Act repassed. And so what you got to yeah. do is you have to have a few incidents. So they yeah, arrest course. that one guy out of Denver. Then they find some guy plotting against something in Chicago, yep. coincidentally. Yes. And then they have this moron down in Dallas Fort Worth area that was going to blow up this building so they found some guy who is going to be his handler and you know who's a government agent and essentially the government agent does everything he buys him the bombs he gets him you know he sets him up he gets him all yeah. jacked up come on buddy we can do it we can blow this place up yeah. and the guy says yeah okay duh. <laughs> and the guy's an obvious yeah. You know, probably an IQ of 80, and they, he gets him to the point where they, they planted this phony bomb, and then he has him push the button like he's going to blow it up. Okay, you're, you get to blow it up. Here's the button trigger. Here, take and yeah. push it. Ready? One, two, three, push. Oh, it didn't okay. work. Oh. Boom, didn't work. Boom, you're under arrest. Yeah. And, and it's that, as and- though this would have happened if it wasn't for the other guy who was the American, the government guy that was doing all the Give, heavy lifting. The yeah, other guy exactly. is just a, there's a, if you want to just grab people like that, there's a bunch of big talkers in the United States. I've, you know, anyone who's ever been in, amongst the working class who's been in a factory or anything, there are so many blowhards in this country that it's not hard to find one and then sucker him into doing something he probably wouldn't have done in a million years. And this is probably, you know, some of the worst kind of entrapment. I'm not saying this guy should be out roaming around. He's probably a dummy that should be locked up. But that's beside the point. I mean, you saw it with John DeLorean when he had his car company. This was back in the 70s, I believe, where, you know, he was he was losing money. And they, some government guy came up with this idea to talk him into, you know, let's get into the cocaine business it's a it's, <laughs> it's no real problem it's, it's i've been good. in it all my life i'm you know and the, 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 to ride this guy right into the sewer uh when he probably wouldn't have done it on his own i think is important and that's what the you, we just kind of make people criminals There's, i don't see why we're making people criminals meanwhile <clears throat> if you connect the dots 
uh, and th- you will not hear this on Fox News or on your beloved CNN. Uh, President Obama has consistently said that he did not want to make a decision about more troops in Afghanistan until the the elections were finalized. Now, the elections, this is Karzai, the guy who, who is co-owner or his brother has all these whole huge restaurant chain in the U.S. He's, you know, he owns the Toyota factory in Afghanistan. He owns, he owns everything. He's like, he's like the true warlord of business over there. <clears throat> and Karzai, of course, you know, was is a is a shill worked for UNESCO was or Unical was put in there to kind of manage the region, and so we're waiting for you know they had this uh, election. It's like there's been no real results, and it's like maybe there was some fraud, and now the UN official in Afghanistan uh, Sunday acknowledged widespread fraud in the disputed presidential election. And is rejecting allegations uh, from a former deputy that he covered up the cheating to smooth the path to victory for President Hamid Karzai. Now, where do you think this UN official is from, John? I don't know. You tell me. From Norway. <laughs> Kai Elde. So you've got Norway in some grand scheme <laughs> yes, plot. Yes, I'm telling you, Norway and Chicago, there's Norway, something going Chica- on It's the there. Norway-Chicago-Obama axis. I'm telling you, <laughs> it's the axis of Norwegian evil. <clears throat> Remarks by Norwegian diplomat Kai Elde appeared designed to win back respect for both the troubled UN mission and the entire election process ahead of a ruling by investigators on whether fraud was extensive uh, enough in August, uh, the August 20th balloting to require a runoff. So here's a guy who was supposed to make sure that, you know, there was no fraud and he tried to cover it up. He tried to cover it up. Maybe the Norwegians, you know, are so sick of making money from oil that they're looking for this drug connection. Maybe the Norwegians are supplying all the drugs to Chicago. Yeah, maybe they're just trying to expand their business. Yeah, you know, that's what you do. <laughs> yeah. You know, so, but, but you know, these things, you'll never hear about this. It's just, I consider this to be pretty big. <laughs> you know, that's like... Nobody cares. It's not insignificant, you know. There's, <laughs> there's definitely something to it. Nah. Nah. What, what am I talking about? Just take about? your shoes off. Put them in the bin. Don't put them in the bin. Put them in the bin. Don't put them in the bin. <laughs> I'm so confused. I don't know what to do. And maybe that's a part of it. Maybe they do it on purpose to confuse your ass. You know, well, that was a, something somebody sent us, a C, that CNN ad. You, did you read the, you know, we have one of our producers is a hypnotist. Oh, yeah, I did. And I he did found a, uh, an ad that CNN uses, which, which, is a very, which is an ad designed to confuse the brain. Oh, that's where they have, it was the CNN ad. Uh, yeah, I do have that. Hold on. Yeah, confuse the brain, and then you, they hit you with a uh, suggestion. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a very. I, th- I found it fascinating, and I believe that we need to do a couple. And I think I can, I can reproduce, kind of reproduce the style of that ad, and make a no agenda ad, which will help uh, maybe get us more contributions. Would you like me to see if I can pull that ad up for a second? Yeah, it's it's in his email. What? Yeah. Why don't? Why, oops. Why don't you? Uh Explain. Why don't I kill some time? Yeah, kill some time about while. your <laughs> containment. I was telling the people while you were gone about your containment cell uh-huh. and the fact that I believe that in San Francisco, uh, all these lofts that are being built and they you can they all have the same basic style. The the windows are off the ground. Uh, they're they're brick. They're made out of uh, you know brick. Uh, most not not just not regular brick, but this kind of. Uh, 
prison brick. And all you need to do is just put the uh, some some bars on the windows, and you'll find that most of these lofts in San Francisco could easily be minimum security prisons. And I think I'm almost convinced that they were designed with that in mind. And you're in one of them, and that's what I pointed out to you. And it even has the elevator where they can beat you up. I mean, it's just amazing. It's just a classic uh, uh, prison situation. Okay, I got it here. This is uh, actually you blogged this. It's coming from your blog. So this is an Anderson Cooper 360, or as we say, AC 360. And um, it's uh, well, listen to it. I hope it'll because YouTube sometimes doesn't do stereo. So let's see if it'll. Uh, I don't think it's it, it, stereo. Is, it makes it. I don't think it has to be in stereo to work. You know, I disagree. I think what you hear through left ear and through right ear has profound different effects. Well, maybe. Because, you know, the right ear goes to the left brain and left ear goes to the right brain, and those brain halves do have different functions. Well, let's hear what uh, it sounds I'm like. I'm a lifelong Democrat. The, the issue, issue that matters most to me is, is the national economy. security. Unfortunately, Unfortunately, many of the politicians running the government are almost impossible to trust sometimes. That's why I watch Anderson Cooper 360 on CNN. Every weeknight at 10, AC360 brings you the news from different perspectives. I really like keeping them honest, because whenever one of those right-wing politicians plays with the facts, they're held accountable. AC360, weeknights at 10, only on CNN. It's actually, it's what Alex Jones would describe as the left-right paradigm, which is why I find the actual separation of channels an interesting concept because you literally are talking about left and right and what would, would it be interesting and you have to get the original John and see if you can uh, find out what's playing on white on, on, on which channel because if the if the woman who says left actually appears in your right ear and the man who says right appears in your left ear there's something to that that is not unimportant yeah, it might be because you have a left brain that like, has a certain mentality and the right brain has a different one. So you could kind of appeal to both of them through the different ears and then uh, consolidate your message at the end. So you have like confusion. The way it was described is you have confusion, 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 confusion. And then the brain is going, I don't know what to do. Yeah. And then uh, then consolidation where the, at the end, the information is identical. But speaking of uh, CNN, and this was a fabulous report that came out, which I think is, is something that's very important for our audience, our producers. Uh, women who perform the act of fellatio and swallow semen on a regular basis one to two times a week may reduce their risk of breast cancer by up to 40%. Yeah. Yeah, that was a hoax, you know. Yeah, from the Associated Press? It was never Associated Press story. It's an, it says right here, it's an AP story. It's what it says. And it's on CNN.com. I'm and telling it, you, I, I know that began as a hoax and somehow got into the mainstream. And it's from a study from the North Carolina State University. It's just a, if it really is a hoax, that's great because you can just say something's from the North Carolina State University and get your shit on AP and CNN. And apparently they studied over 15,000 women. John, wait, John. I think we have to test this theory. I, th I think we need to get a few of our. We have what? Well, we have like nine female listeners. We need to. Uh, no, we're actually up to thirteen. We need to study them over the course of a few years to see if this is actually true. This is for science, John. We cannot just overlook these things. Yeah, for va validation. <laughs> validation purposes. <laughs> So I guess this is as good a moment as any for the uh, PPOD. Okay, everybody, it's time. John C. Dvorak's pet peeve of the day. Okay, here's the deal. 
it finally, it, this actually got to me uh, a couple of weeks ago, and then I saw, I heard this ad. With ragu, you can give your kids veggies they'll actually eat. Ragu has more than a full serving of veggies in every half cup. So give them a good start with all natural ragu. Feed our kids well. Veggies? When did veggies become like a mainstream term? Oh, veggies. What is it? These people six years old? You know, I saw, start seeing this word veggies cropping up, and you hear all the, the vegans all say, oh, veggies, veggies. Oh, I've got my veggies. And I saw it, what really got to me was on Yelp. They used to, you see these, oh, the veggies are really good. What veggies? What's veggies? I don't get what veggies is. It's like somebody saying, what do you like to eat? I like to eat meat. It doesn't mean <laughs> anything. But the term veggies is so kind of like third grade that it just galls me. and It just irks me to hear grown women say veggies. And then I, when I heard this commercial, it just took me over the top. And by the way, also, when you do a Yelp post, there's a little, I think you can say a little more than the word yum to describe the meal. <laughs> is that it? Yep. John C. Dvorak's pet peeve of the day. It's a part of the dumbing down of the masses, John. It's so incredibly clear. It's just it's just to make meant to make us stupid. We're stupid apparently. <laughs> Veggies head. Veggies. Yeah, and it's in ragu, which sounds pretty uh ominous. Full serving whatever that means. I guess they're counting tomatoes as veggies when in fact they're fruit. Speaking of uh, commercials, uh, John Gonatis, I think is how you pronounce it, one of our producers, uh, says you might want to take a look at the new format for drug ads on Hulu. Uh, he said, and I don't watch Hulu because uh, I, 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 maybe I should to watch some of the Did you have a real series. TV? Yeah, I got a television. And I tried to keep <laughs> that off. <laughs> it's, it's much safer. <laughs> He says last night when he was watching cops to improve his taser avoidance techniques, he saw for the that's one I love our listeners. He saw for the first time uh, one of these uh, new ads, and it includes a screenshot. And uh, no, he included a screenshot of it, but it's, uh, the spot is uh, a minute fifteen, so it's that new format of which fifty seconds is the uh, is is all the disclaimer. So you get like no, 50, no, six, yeah, no. Six, Fifteen seconds is the sales no, pitch. I'm finished. Fifty one. five zero. So it, it, this was 20, oh five. Oh jeez. Yeah, twenty seconds uh, was or twenty five seconds was um, actual commercial, and, and the remainder of the time that's a was, long commercial. Yeah, well, it's one of those new uh, you know minute fifteen things. But there now also has uh, on on the Hulu uh, ad they have a scroll bar. That that actually now gives you the text of all of the negative effects of the commercial. Oh wow! Yeah, <laughs> including right upper belly pain. <laughs> I love that. Uh, yeah, I thought that was uh, that's pretty interesting. So uh, Hulu's going to make a bundle off of that. <laughs> really, it's, it's well, I, I gotta I gotta credit them. You know, for there that. are only two countries in the world that allow this sort of advertising. It's banned, and it used to be banned in the United States, but now the United States and New Zealand, of all places, are the two countries in the world that allow this sort of really onerous drug company advertising to get people to uh, hound their doctor. When I saw it on TV, you know, is it right for me? I I mean, is it right for me? So here's what... um uh, some financial analysts are saying about the pharmaceutical industry. 
pharmaceuticals have shown their defensive colors in the downturn with no sign yet of late cycle hit to revenues. Uh, here's a UBS analyst. Our initial view was that we would see something by the third quarter, but it's starting to feel like that's not going to happen. In other words, a downturn. In fact, drug sales are now expected to grow by 45 to 5.5% this year in the all-important U.S. market. According to IMS Health, the leading tracker. All important, drugged up U.S. All market. important. It's very, very important. Only six months ago, IMS was predicting a 1% to 2% fall. And, uh, oh man, it's, it's, oh here, Credit Suisse analyst Catherine Arnold said the average price increase for major U.S. drug companies in the third quarter was 8.7%. So they're going gangbusters. Gangbusters, I tell you. And you wonder why. Well, yeah, well, you make the public sick. Yes. You know, you scare them to death with swine flu crap. You make them sick with lousy food and, you know, veggies. And the, <laughs> veggies. And the next thing you know, they, they, they're ill and they need to take drugs. Well, you don't even need to take drugs, but yeah. If, if you no, but they're sold a bill of goods about the drugs. They got a million commercials. Yeah, I, I mean, to... we play them all the time, and it's just like, why do you need this drug? I mean, they're still they're like, you know, the restless leg syndrome drug is a classic. Who develops these things? Yeah. Well, drug companies. And, and yeah, but I mean, I just like, well, look, I think I got a theory here about we can we can make this uh, drug for restless leg syndrome. And there's this many people. And I can imagine the meetings. You know what the meetings are like. You're a meeting guy. <laughs> they go into there and they got the whiteboard and they're showing the numbers of people that have restless leg syndrome and how much money they can make per pill because it'd be 10 bucks a pill. And then they say, well, how many people can we convince have restless leg syndrome? And holy mackerel, look at the size of that market. All right, let's do it. Um. Robert F. Kennedy Jr., what is his position in government? Uh, he is a, uh, a representative of Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Okay, so he's not a... Uh He's he's not somewhere. Well, in, I don't in know. Office. Well, let's look him up on Wikipedia. Maybe he's he got in somewhere. Well, well, because you mentioned the meeting, and he has been standing outside. I guess the the Capitol. I'm waiting for this page to load, and he is all over this secret meeting that uh, the uh, vaccine producers had off an offsite meeting known as an offsite. And they had this meeting where they actually discussed how to cover up the fact that the minute traces of mercury in vaccinations, not necessarily the H1N1, but that they knew that it, they know that it causes autism. And uh, I'm going to play you a little bit of this because it's it's pretty compelling stuff, and you have to you have to watch it. I'll put the link in the show notes. Thank you very much. I'm so happy to see. All of you out here today finally telling the truth to this Congress, which needs to hear the truth for the first time. The government scientists are acknowledging that even tiny infinitesimal amounts of mer mercury, parts per billion, will cause profound neurological injury in children. And I was working on these issues, and mothers started coming up to me and said, you know, the biggest exposure is not coming from power plants or old mining claims, as you might think, it's coming from our own vaccines. And they asked me to work on it and to, just to look into it. And they were not hysterical people. They were scientists. They were doctors. They were psychiatrists. They were pharmacists. They were people who had had their feet on the ground. They had attended the conferences. They had read the scientific literature. They had calmly and deliberately 
gone through this and they had reached a conclusion. And the conclusion was that the vaccines were destroying the health, were making the sickest generation of American children in the history of our country. Now listen to the shit about the meeting. And I started looking into it and somebody provided me with the with the Simpsonwood memo. Google that, John. Simpsonwood memo. Published in Rolling Stone, and Simpsonwood was a transcripts of a secret meeting that was held between CDC and 75 uh, representatives of the vaccine industry, in which they reviewed a report that CDC had ordered, the Verstraten study, where of the of the 100,000 children in the United States vaccine safety database, and. When they looked at it themselves, they said it is impossible, this is a quote, to massage this data to make the signal go away. I think I see a little red laser dot on his forehead while he's speaking. <laughs> I, it's a little unclear on the video. It's, 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 a great, it's a great speech he does, and that's, he's really out there. And this uh, Simpson Woods memo is interesting stuff. The CDC colluded with 75 vaccine manufacturers how to cover this up. You know, and then you get uh, people like, uh, was it Jenny McCarthy, uh, who's married to uh, Jim Carrey, and they have a kid with autism, and then, you know, and then she's trying to get the message out saying, hey, you know, we're, you know, we're, we're giving our kids 28 vaccines before they're 18 months old. You know, the logic points to some issues here. And then, you know, j- just Google Jenny McCarthy and Yeah, no, Jenny McCarthy's uh, about making a big, uh, a lot of noise about this. Yeah, but she, but you know, they they got her marginalized as a crackpot. That's what I'm saying. The, the Google nutcase or crackpot and Jenny McCarthy, and and she's it. You know, she's oh, she's crazy. It's good stuff, though. I, I have no idea what. Uh... Well, I'm sure that you know, with Kennedy, you know, he's a uh, he's a do-gooder. Yep. And a uh, sincere one. I mean, I think he's wrong about a lot of stuff I've heard him talk about, but and he's very socialist. But he is thorough and a uh, good troublemaker. He's he, he's uh, because he has uh, all kinds of creds. And uh, if he's looking into this, uh, this is going to be interesting to see how that works out because uh, that's a little more uh, uh, that, that they're going to have a trouble tarring him with the Jenny McCarthy crackpot paintbrush. Well, particularly when you when you read this memo. You know, this uh, this memo about the meeting that they held off-site, they held it off-site specifically because then they thought they would be immune from a Freedom of Information Act request. And so I- did you see they have now, they have like three or four or five of these different swine flu vaccines. <laughs> what? <laughs> and, the, and they had all these different manufacturers. Listen, I wish I had this little article in front of me. Oh, but hold, 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 on one sec- hold on one second, John. It's the no agenda swine flu minute. Yeah. So they have these, uh, you know, the Smith Klein, all these different Glaxo, all these different companies that make this the swine flu, and then they said, and they they have one batch of it that is the only one that is thermosulf that the mercury free, and it has and no no adjuvants and mercury free, and uh, who do you think was the manufacturer of that one? Let me. Could it be Baxter? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I just cracked up. <laughs> you got to send me that link. We're going to put that in the show notes. Oh, Baxter, who, of course, actually tried to kill people by spreading the, the live <laughs> vaccine and got away with it, and their stock prices through the roof. Uh, yeah. 
Uh, but they make the good stuff, apparently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They make the well. There, there was another link. Hold on. Um, here it is. Uh, San Jose Mercury News uh, headline: U.S. could potentially use controversial adjuvants in swine flu vaccine. So, of course, we've been promised that no adjuvants would be put in, but it's very simple to see how the strategy is going to work. Oh, we don't have enough vaccine. People are getting sick. People are dying. We have. Oh my gosh! In Oklahoma, there's children are dropping dead on the streets. Cue up that old video again of the three kids. Yeah, the Oklahoma video. So the World Health Organization estimates that a worldwide production capacity of three billion doses. John, <laughs> we are such. I mean, I I'm, I, I want to apologize to the listeners where I said you should invest in gold. I'm sorry. You should have, of course, completely invested in these pharmaceutical companies. Three billion doses of pandemic H1N1 vaccine will be used to prevent the outbreak and spread of the 2009 H1N1 flu or swine flu. This ambitious plan for widespread vaccine, albeit inadequate for a total population of 6.8 billion people, has drawn criticism regarding the vaccine's safety. So here's the strategy. Oh my gosh, it's working so well, but people who don't have it don't have access to the vaccine. They don't have access they're dying. We, we, we only have one way to go. We can't produce it fast enough. John, do you have an idea? Do you have a solution? We use lots of weird adjuvants. The hamburger helper of the vaccine industry. You know what's going to happen here? Because there's already been a number of uh, huge populations that have said, look, we don't, we don't want this stupid shot. And the thing that's interesting about it is that, you know, the swine flu came up last year. And they and there's always this thing about, well, you know, it, 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 unlike every other flu, for some unknown reason, it doesn't go away. Even though the 1918 flu did, it had a two-year life cycle. So what you're going to run into is I think there's going to be a, another round of applause for this, for this H1N1 next year. I can almost assure you of this. We can make a note, put a, a dot on this show. And by this time next year, the thing will be coming around again in a more virulent form. And we're going to, I mean, apparently not everybody got their shots last year. And we've got to, because they got to get rid of these shots. I mean, you don't make, uh, you know, three, four billion, you know, uh, copies of this flu to be distributed and only sell half of it. You, 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 what are you gonna do with the rest of it? Throw in the ocean? <laughs> I mean, you're gonna have it. to. Sh- yeah. You're gonna need to shoot it up, you know, next year. So I, this is going around, and that's of course what you need the thermosil in there for, because it needs to preserve it for a year. This is a this is a good article that's in uh, in Mercury News, um, and of course that'll be in the show notes at noagendashow.com. Uh, in testimony before Congress in 2001, the FDA needed to make a decision on the safety of adjuvants so manufacturers could know whether they could include them in vaccines or not. Quote. It seems that the FDA and the manufacturers have been waiting for a pandemic to solve the problem for them. It was going to be the avian flu. And this is testimony before Congress. No, you know, we discussed this, I think, like four or five months ago with this exact same thesis. Yeah. Uh, an adjuvanted vaccine for H5N1 avian flu was approved in many countries, but the disease never spread person to person. Damn, 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 drat. Back to the drawing board. Baxter, can you guys hook us up? So then swine flu came along. Glaxo Novartis got another bite of the cherry. 
And, of course, once the adjuvants get into licensed products in the U.S., they'll become part of all sorts well, you know, of they- novel vaccines for cancer and non-infectious diseases. They're just waiting to roll this shit out. It's a no, huge they, rollout. They, they need to. They really want to. I mean, we said this before when this the whole swine flu thing began, which was this is a scam of some sort, and the adjuvant part of it seems to be uh, one of the elements. And the fact that you know, that, and the coincidence that all of a sudden backs are sending out regular vaccines with H five N one in them, which would have triggered the no H one no oh they no it was H one N one. No, it was H5N1. I'm sure it was, wasn't it? No. It, was, no. it was bird flu. Irrelevant. It, well, besides the point, they were trying to get something sp- spreading, we, we feel, even though, no, it was an accident. And, you know, we'll take their word for it. There was no way that they could possibly be doing that. So uh, we're going to, that's, that's what we stick by, although we don't believe it. It's the uh, swine flu minute. Just wanted to close it off. Nah, it's probably best. Um, so one more little piece of outrage, which you will not hear about, because, of course, we're too busy talking about... Uh, are we still talking about the Nobel Peace Prize, or is it time for God, another... I'm dis- not. Is it, is, no, isn't it time for another distraction? We need another one. We need something to distract from what's happening right now. Well, let's see. Britney Spears is out of the picture, so that's no good. Now, Kate yeah. plus eight, I think, has lost it. I think they've yeah. lost their momentum. Yeah. And um, Top Chef is doing pretty good, though. Nah, I don't watch it. Mm. Um, no one is talking about it, but it's happening. AIG is about to hand out another round of bonuses, which averages out to about $50,000 per person in the company. And even the lunch lady is getting a $7,000 bonus. And, of course, these are retention bonuses. And, you know, you can't have the lunch lady leaving the company. This oh, really what would you do? Yeah. Because it's so hard, you know, it's if so you're, hard to get lunch you ladies. can't find anyone to hire because there's nobody that there's nobody unemployed amongst no, the 20 no. percent. Uh, so while this is happening, uh, court documents, uh, and this is about the, the, the previous round of bullshit bonuses. Oh, crap. My my browser just bricked. Um, court documents are showing that uh, Bernanke and Paulson knew about the bonuses before they forced Merrill Lynch to be acquired by uh, Bank of America. Hmm. And they, so they lied about they should, this. They, these people should be fired. They, well, they should be thrown in jail. I'm they lied about it. They, lied, they lied here. Court documents show that federal regulators were told about billions of dollars in bonuses awarded to Merrill Lynch executives during the company's takeover by Bank of America, contradicting statements by Congress by Federal Reserve Chairman Ben S. Bernanke and former Treasury Secretary Henry M. Paulson Jr. They knew about the 20, about the bonuses before, so that they knew it on December 17th, weeks before the government approved the $20 billion bailout. And then, of course, when those bonuses happened, like, and no one's given the bonuses back. Remember, they were supposed to give the bonuses back. No one's given the bonuses back. It's, it's all reported in mainstream news. It'll be in the uh, in the show notes at noagendashow.com. And Nobody seems to be outraged by anything. No, but but now they're about to do another round of bonuses. Why not? It, it's just... I yeah, would. But, but how come no one's angry? I'd be glad if I was running one of these companies and I'm looking around and looking at all these people, you know, scattering around, you know, worried about their shoes in a bin and all the rest of it. I'd just be, I'd be taking all the money and passing it amongst all my buddies and then buying yachts and boats and trips to Europe and I'd have a great time. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. 
Nobody cares. Nobody seems to care. They don't want to. They don't want to do anything about looking at the books of the Fed because heaven forbid anyone do that. Yeah. God knows why. I mean, what are they? What are they trying to hide? That's what Nothing. I. Hear. No. Now it's becoming mysterious. Yeah. Uh, our friend uh, Slick Willie Brown uh, said something very interesting on October 11th, as he was being interviewed. Would you, would you like he to hear? Another, he, he's been dropping little bombs here and there. It's, it's amusing. Well, he dropped a rather familiar bomb. package, which hasn't been spent yet. I think maybe only about 20% of it has been spent. I would be doing jobs, jobs, jobs. Into the- <laughs> <laughs> jobs, 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 and jobs. Let's vote for jobs. He either listens to our show or he... He, uh, <laughs> he probably does like, hey, let me give Adam and John a little plug. They'll dig it. It'll jobs, be really jobs, funny. Jobs. <laughs> It'll be really, really funny. We have an international uh, police force uh, set up. Uh, Interpol and the United Nations are now becoming partners in fighting crime by jointly grooming a global police force that will be deployed as peacekeepers amongst rogue nations... Riven by war and organized crime. Hey, we should have them here. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. They should be in Chicago <laughs> should, as we speak. Yeah. Uh, on Monday, justice and foreign ministers from more than 60 countries, including the United States and China, are gathering in Singapore for a meeting hosted by the two international organizations, again, the UN and Interpol, the first step towards creating what Interpol calls a global police doctrine. This is it. This is what we've been talking about for two years. <laughs> two years. And here it is, your global police force. Uh, we've got the, the global finance, which the G20 is going to determine how all the central banks work together. But a global police force, ladies and gentlemen. Enjoy your shopping experience. Now shut up and sit down. A global police force. That's a good one. This is all a money grab. Yeah, it, I think it's a little more than a money grab. Well, power grab too, I suppose. And uh, this is weird from the uh, the Washington Times, and I've been following a couple of kind of weird stories. But you know, there was also this uh, United Nations. I, don't, I think it was a UN report about the atrocities that went on during the most recent conflict between Israel and uh, and the Palestinians in uh, in Gaza where both sides really overstep the boundaries of all rules of killing people. Because, you know, you can't kill people in a certain way. You can only kill them with, like, a clean shot to the head, preferably two. Um, so this uh, UN report accused the Jewish state of Israel and the uh, Palestinian state of targeting its uh, civilians in uh, illegal ways. And now Israel in the Knesset, is seriously considering restricting travel to Europe by senior officials and military officers, fearing they might be arrested for war crimes. Yeah, well, this is a problem Cheney has, by the way. Yeah, where is he hiding out? I think he's in the Bat Cave. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. I want to send you a link that you just have to take a look at. Uh, if you want to know, because otherwise we can't discuss it properly. While you're doing that, I'm gonna. I, we have to I do a little call back here to uh, Stanley McChrystal. Um, I just want to read a couple of paragraphs from the Free Republic uh, about McChrystal. He stopped the practice of flying flags at half mast. Every time a soldier was killed, saying a force that's fighting a war can't spend all its time looking back at what the costs have been. 
His approach to challenge the standard military culture of overwhelming the enemy with superior firepower, sometimes regardless of the consequences. He has told his men to think before they sh- before they shoot. In August, he angered Germany by apologizing for an airstrike on two hijacked NATO fuel trucks. The strike called in by the German contingent had killed 90 people. Uh. This, this compassion was a long way from the reputation McChrystal had enjoyed as, an America, as America's ruthless chief terrorist pursuer. Caught up in a scandal over torture and prisoner abuse. He was apparently somehow... This, this, this guy is no good. His transformation, here's the, here's the quote that I, or the quote from the piece I wanted to read. This came from the Times Online in the UK, by the way. His tran- and, and requoted in the Free Republic. His transformation into a, quote, scholar-soldier is perhaps one of the greatest achievements in a remarkable career. <laughs> yeah, really. Oh, hold and on. apparently his biggest fan is Bill O'Reilly. Hold on, hold on, John. We're breaking up. Let me just see if I can fix this. It's, uh, it's an audio thingy. Hold on. His biggest fan is Bill O'Reilly. Yeah, you know you're on top then. Hold on, let me see if I can fix this. Okay, yeah, it fixed. I think it fixed. Oh, wow, what's going on? It sounds like lightning over there. Yeah, it's it's like bits breaking up, but it's something internal. I don't know. Um, I just sent you a link. And if you want to know what is actually killing our children, look at this latest ad from Ralph Lauren. Uh, and this was distributed... Uh, yeah, I remember this. This was yeah, uh, somebody uh, photo. I mean, it's a photoshopped ad. But I think it was actually distributed, wasn't it? Yeah, I am not sure. I can I can't tell whether this was a uh, hoax, uh, and I have never gotten to the bottom of the story. The mo- so. Uh and this woman, you know, is complaining. I, I don't know. I don't know what the deal is with this picture. Well, we just put in the show notes and let people comment on it, and we can. It's a. It's a. It's a, it just says Ralph Lauren, and then it got some woman uh, whose head is bigger than her pelvis. Whose head, whose head is bigger than her waist, yeah. because they've shrunk her. They've uh, photoshopped her so she's like thin as a rail, and uh, minimally. And uh, I don't. It seems somewhat pointless. Yeah, but and now yeah, everybody's is, up in arms about it. Well, yeah, but it's it's killing our kids. You know, they, they this they, model who is 120 pounds and five foot ten says she decided to go public after she saw the Photoshop ravaged frame. Five ten, one twenty is thin. It is. And she was fired for being too fat. I don't believe this. I think there's something wrong with the story. I think there's a missing piece to the puzzle. She maybe was fired for other reasons. Uh, who knows? Hmm. But being five ten and one twenty is I don't I don't know if there's any models that listen to the show ha but there might be uh, give us the current uh, stats on what's expected I know it used to be five eight one oh five used to be some you run into that but five ten you can carry one twenty and look and still be thin as a rail so uh, not bef- that I care before we get to our producer credits uh, for today's show John I just wanted to open up discussion with you about what's really going on with Russia, with Iran, and China, and the U.S. Of course, Secretary of State uh, Hillary Clinton was uh, in Russia the other day, uh, and she's not just there to check out the borscht, okay? There's reasons why these people travel to those countries. As much as she likes borscht. As much as she's totally into that shit. As she said, (laughs) I'm so into that shit. Um, Gazprom, of course, just closed a $25 billion deal with China to deliver um, gas to them. 
And this is where uh, Iran comes into play because, of course, you know, I think we can learn from a little bit of history that the whole idea, you know, now it's, they're not calling it weapons of mass destruction, but they're calling it nuclear devices and that Iran is going to blow us up and they're going to blow up Israel and they're going to nuke everybody and we have to stop them and we have to sanction them and all this crap that's going on. The Russians are basically saying, uh, I don't think so. Because we're actually like doing some pretty good business, and you know, and uh, and we want to kind of keep things uh, kind of cool. But who needs the Iranian? You know, Ar- Iran, by the way, has the world's largest natural gas reserves, uh, estimated 991 trillion cubic feet. And who needs that? Who needs that, John? The Europeans need it. Yeah, the Europeans do need it. They need it desperately. And there's actually a shift going on. I'm seeing it in all the newspapers. Now that oil is uh, above 70 bucks, it's, what is it, 73, 75, somewhere in that region, at an all-time low at the moment, gas, natural gas is at an all-time low. And I think that what's really going to happen is a lot of countries are desperately trying to switch to natural gas because it's just that much cheaper um, and let's face it, in the United States, we got tons of natural gas. We could, we we wouldn't need anything from anybody. We could completely be self-sustainable. I think we got a lot of natural gas. And we keep discovering more. We actually have a lot of oil too that hasn't been tapped. There's a there's a so there's a thing underneath the, uh, North Dakota. There's a there's a series of uh, oil um, well, but, deposits but, but, but that but, is almost as big as Saudi Arabia that hasn't even been touched. So let's put the pieces on the board. Um, it's undeniable now, and there are just too many really serious reports coming out that the oil trade is now being switched to euros and uh, the the yuan and uh, baskets of currencies that include gold. I mean, everyone's talking about it. No matter how how much you know, uh, Gibbs <laughs> stands up on the podium and denies that it's happening. You know, everyone's switching to stronger currencies. Does, by the way, does Gibbs seem coked up to you? Totally. Maybe he's on E. Sometimes he looks like he's on an MDMA trip. But he yeah, just sat, but he has a he yeah. has a kind of a, a voice, you know, that's not he's not breathing through his nose a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. And when he talks, there's nothing coming out of the nose thing. And so he has got that kind of a sound. You know what I'm saying? We should totally pay attention to that. We should look if he's doing some nose touching. I'll uh, I'll make that my mission for uh, for this week. So. Um, so Iran is becoming incredibly important. Meanwhile, in the U.S., if we actually want to switch to building this whole new gas infrastructure, we need to finance it. We really need to finance it. And who's going to do that? That's typically China, who aren't financing it anymore. So we're kind of in this race, I think, somehow, uh, for the U.S. to switch to, to natural gas since our, our, our currency is you know, not even slowly, but moderately, quickly becoming no longer the reserve currency of the world. That's the euro, which, by the way, is not all that good for uh, for Europe. That that has its own implications and problems. Well, I've always believed that. I, I thought this was going to happen the last time the dollar folded, and then if you remember that about a year or so, a couple of years ago, when all of a sudden the pound fell like a rock and the yeah. euro was falling really fast and the yeah. dollar was picking up steam. Remember that? Yeah. And then 
you know, boom, it turned right back around. The dollar's in the toilet. The euro is a buck forty-seven, buck fifty. That means you have to pay fifty percent more for stuff in Europe. It's ridiculous. And then the pound is kind of holding its own about a buck sixty, and uh, so the dollar started c- collapsing again. And we're supposed to have a strong dollar policy. How about this for an interesting scenario? The the world changes. It's we, the dollar keeps kind of declining, and it looks weak and weak and weak. And so I said, well, screw the dollar. We're losing our butts being in this thing. Let's switch. Switch over to the euro, buy high, sell low. Um, switch over to the euro and, and then do all these contracts in euros with the, with the uh, oil. So the, let's say that uh, you, you buy X amount for, for, for two euros. And, the, and then all of a sudden, the, once that's all established, the dollar skyrockets in value because you can turn it up and down through yeah. different kinds of policies. And the next thing you know, we're getting our oil at half price because it's all well i'm sorry if you want to be with the euro and then we end up getting a really good deal the economy gets cranked up again and we're back on top and then everybody realizes that we've screwed the world financially once more which we're really good at by the way and i have lots of confidence that we can do that kind of thing and by the way just like to point out when you hear all this uh, great talk about a jobless uh, recovery which is <laughs> such a it's so ludicrous a jobless recovery because the dow is at 10,000 yeah but if you calculate the dollar value the dow is really like at 7,500 it's you know it's not the same 10,000 as it was 2 years ago it's a different 10,000 because the dollar is just well, worth that much less. It's still beside the point. This thing is overpriced. But the jobless recovery thing is just – and they keep talking about it as if it was a good it's thing. A, it's a meme. Yeah, just trying – hey, it's good. Hey, we, our economy's recovered. Too bad you can't eat, motherfucker. <laughs> the U.S. Uh, Federal Energy Regulatory Commission just stated at the World Gas Conference in Buenos Aires – that the U.S. may never need new coal or nuclear plants ever again, based upon um, our, sw- our our pos- our pot- potential switch to natural gas. And by the way, cars run on that too. You know, yeah, it's, it's good stuff. You can do a lot with it, and I think it's pretty clean. John, am I wrong? No, it's an outstanding product. I think in it's fact, so you could actually stuff. light your house with it. I mean, they used to, as a matter of fact, years ago, mm-hmm. before electricity. Everything gas was lamps. Yeah, have a little gas lamp in the house. So this is the kind of stuff that we that we consistently look into. So we have a couple of things that we have to do this week. I will be watching a lot of C-SPAN, uh, C-SPAN three, which is only online, by the way. Uh, watching all of Robert Gibbs' presentations to see if he's coked out or not, and I actually take that on as a challenge. He sounds that way, and you know, just considering his job, he might be. Um, but we we spend a lot of time looking into this stuff. Uh, John does a whole other show with Andrew Horowitz that talks specifically about the markets and and the economy and how the money flows are going. And the type of analysis we're giving you, even if it's not true, the Norwegian Chicago connection, um, I think it's <clears throat> it's worth more investigation. I'll keep on that. We do the work. We do the work and we don't let ourselves get interrupted by stupid-ass commercials, uh, let ourselves be limited by not being able to talk about certain things that would piss off advertisers. And the only way we can keep doing it is by you donating to the show. It's just like PBS, only we're not corrupt. Right, and we don't, uh, you know, necessarily. Uh, uh, well, we don't. We don't have any underwriters or anybody that you know can tell us what we can or cannot say. 
Uh, in fact, let me go over this. We, did, we didn't actually get a lot of money in this last week. I'm kind of disappointed, but we did have some enough to get by. Uh, let me name a few people. John Trainer, Wilmington, Delaware, $50. Uh, then we had Samuel Vanderplank. We didn't get much overseas money. In fact, we had just one, and this is it. Samuel Vanderplank, who was in, uh, I guess, is Leeper, Belgium, L-E-P-E-R. Labor, yeah, yeah. yeah so he's a uh, uh, gave us seventy seven dollars and seventy cents, and he wanted to mention the the anti censorship thing going on in Switzerland on October thirty first, and you should go to anti dash zensur z e n s u r z e n s u r dot info. That's anti dash zensur dot info, and there's something going on in Europe that we need to catch up to. Aaron Tulin gave us 50 bucks, and he wants us to mention Surly Trader, S-U-R-L-Y, trader.com, and he's in Lawrenceville, Georgia, and apparently are mentioning that is a wedding gift to somebody. Oh, that's nice. Uh, Timothy Tillman, uh, Midlothian, Virginia, gave us 100. Uh, Kenneth Keelholtz, in Hamilton, Ohio, gave us 75. Uh, and Dr. Nenninger's Natural Meds in Port Jefferson, New York, gave us 5151. Thank you. And uh, then again, here we go again. Sterling Ellsworth, once again, repeats his $77.77 donation from Santa Barbara. And I've come to the conclusion that he's going to uh, obviously do this. This is the third time. Maybe he's going to do it. I'm kind of guessing he's going to do this like seven times. It's a hostile takeover. He's going to do this like seven <laughs> times, and then he's going to, he's got some lucky number thing. And then he is going to go to the horse track, and go bet- to the seventh race, <laughs> horse number seven, and bet on horse number seven. And you know what's going to happen? He's going to win it all back. It's going to come in seventh. <laughs> And finally, uh, <laughs> I love it. Bruce uh, Sacco, uh, oh, you know, I had the pronunciation down and I blew it. Saccoccio, I think. It's S A C C O C C I O, which I think is Saccoccio or Saccaccio. Probably Saccaccio. That would be, that sounds right. Who gave us 7733 to mention the fact that he, that you mentioned 7733 is a Masonic number. Yes. And he did some research and discovered that many, if not most, of the Masonic lodges, it, their number, the phone number, usually incorporates seventy-seven thirty-three. Absolutely, and that's so okay. That, I, I think I think the Masons would actually be on our side on this show. Oh, probably. Yeah. Anyway, thanks, Bruce. So that, that's our that's it. For the week. That's it. Yeah, it's all we got. Mm. I just did want to mention that besides the AIG bonuses coming out, uh, Goldman Sachs, who of course actually were failed and then they turned, they were allowed to turn into a, a, a regular bank and a holding bank and they got, they got billions of dollars and were bailed out and they got eight billion of the AIG bailout put directly into their coffers. They're about to hand out $20 billion in bonuses to themselves as we are, you know, at the, uh, How come we're not working for them? It's our destiny, John. <sighs> it is our destiny. We it could really be in is. Paris right now, sipping Beaujolais. <laughs> hey, pretty soon I'm going to hook up that uh, that Cabernet sipping session for you, though. What Cabernet sipping session? With Kim Jong Il. Oh, oh, right, right, right. <laughs> I was, uh, yeah, How well, it's you? not Cabernet. I was thinking Bordeaux. Bordeaux, you know, it's Bordeaux. It's a oh, blend. I, so. oh, I thought he had Cabernet. It was Bordeaux. 
Yeah, it's Bordeaux. He's a Bordeaux nut. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought it was Cab. Well, I'm glad you corrected me. No, I, I Cabernet. Would... You wouldn't. No, no. <laughs> please. Blah. It's, it's got to be Bordeaux. Hold on. What? By the way, I want people to go to the dwarf.org slash. Hold on, John. Hold on, John. Hold on. What? Obama's at Union Square? Yeah, Obama's at Union Square today. What's he doing on Union Square? Is he shopping at uh, Neiman Marcus? No, he just, he, uh, Obama came into San Francisco to disrupt traffic. Oh, <laughs> is, how's the traffic, darling? By the way, is he ever in Washington anymore? Is he no, he's not in Washington. He has nothing to do there. And which Obama <laughs> is this? Is yeah. this the, <laughs> Mickey, is this which the o- gray-haired Obama which or Obama the black-haired Obama? Is it? Obama? is it the black-haired Obama or the gray-haired Obama? Oh, she says the one with the green hair, the Chia Pet Obama. <laughs> yeah, Obama's in San Francisco. Anyway, I, I just want to make people aware of the noagendashow.com is where they can contribute to the show. I wish you would uh, go there immediately or divorc.org. Yeah, and you know what? You know what? Why don't you give us a bonus this week? Give us a little bonus. We deserve a yeah. bonus. There must be somebody there that works for one of these big companies that could just throw a few thousand bucks. They can yeah. become knights. Yeah, you'll become a knight. you become the producer of... Uh, we can make you the executive producer of the entire show. Who was our executive producer again, John, this week? The executive producer was Timothy Tillman. And his contribution was? It was 100. So it's... And we he got, really he got, appreciate it. He got it. in under the wire. He, usually he, that's, that's rare. We don't get somebody that can beat that. Yeah, usually it's a little bit higher. But uh, consider giving us a bonus. I think uh, it would be a great incentive. I'd feel really good. And otherwise, you know, I just might have to go uh, become the sandwich lady because uh, she's getting seven grand. <laughs> sandwich lady. I'm telling you. Here's your tip, honey. <laughs> good job. It's a retention bonus. We have to give these people bonuses because otherwise they wouldn't want to do this crappy job at AIG. Well, we're being scammed. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen. Yes, we are. So remember, you can leave your laptop in the bag and put your shoes on the belt, not in the bin. Yeah. Try that in Oakland. And enjoy your shopping experience. Coming to you from the minimum containment center cell crackpot command thingy with twins pictures coming soon at noagendashow.com i'm adam curry and from the northern silicon valley climbs which are overcast and miserable today as a matter of fact i'm john c dvorak and we'll talk to you again on sunday right here on no agenda